Transistor. I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. With its glorious terraced houses, tree-lined promenades and grand public buildings, Cheltenham in Gloucestershire is said to be the most complete Regency town in Britain. Of course, it's best known these days for horse racing. The four-day Cheltenham Festival that takes place each March has prize money that's second only to the Grand National at Aintree. The meeting attracts some 70,000 racegoers each day, and in 2020 it proved to be one of the biggest spreaders of Covid when the organisers, perhaps unwisely, went ahead with it at the start of the pandemic. But there's much more to Cheltenham than just horseplay. The magnificent five-star Ellenborough Park Hotel, located barely a furlong away from the fabled turf, was once a manor house that dates back to the time of Henry VIII and beyond, and cloaked in a dusting of snow, first impressions were, well, just magical. This huge, beautiful building with Cotswold stone, Tudor, lots of turrets and... Mellow stonework. Lots of extra bits and outbuildings and all looking very beautiful. We came and sat down at the Great Hall. Lovely Tudor fireplace with a roaring log fire. An almost life-size portrait of Catherine Parr. It's certainly a splendid room, full of pretty eccentric things. There's a massive harp in one corner. A big tapestry style rug on the floor. Comfortable sofas that you literally sink into. And no, it's all all looks very nice. High ceilings, lots of beams, wooden galleries. Very Tudor. Mullion windows with stained glass. Ornate candelabras. Very high ceilings, which is quite difficult in this, in the very low temperatures at the moment. Difficult to heat. Uh, we're in what I think is a dog-friendly room. We brought our little dog with us. And the room came with a crate. We don't use one of those for our dogs, but also a dog bed, dog food and treats. And when we booked in, we were asked for our dog's name, which we thought was quite unusual. But on arrival, there was a wooden carved dog bone with his name on it and all sorts of things, dog poo bags, you know, you name it. You didn't have to bring anything with you for your dog. Yeah, five-star hotels that are dog-friendly are really rare. You can often find someone to stay with a dog, but a five-star that actually works with dogs is extremely unusual. We haven't taken the dog to the spa, though. I thought you said they do have a dog spa. We'll find out more later. As I said, we're in one of the outlying buildings, which is slightly annoying in the cold because you've got to trudge through the snow to get to the restaurant, the spa, and anything else in the main building. So if you're staying in winter and it is cold, I suggest asking for a room in the main building. But rest of the year, lovely to be in an outlying building, especially a dog-friendly room with its own completely dog-proof garden, which is great. There's a choice of two restaurants, the main restaurant and the horse box. It's a sort of brasserie restaurant. And that's where we're supposed to go with the dog. But that was actually closed today. So we went into the main restaurant and that was fine with our little dog. Not sure how it would be with a big dog. And there's a bar where we had cocktails. We had breakfast this morning. Very good breakfast in the main restaurant with a buffet and lots of different choices for cooked breakfast. And even the, our dog was brought a bowl of water and a full bowl of treats, which we thought was a little bit much. Well, he didn't. He thought it was great. We've been fortunate enough to meet up with Kevin, who works in the hotel and has a deep knowledge of the building and its extensive grounds. 
So, Kevin, you know all about the history of, uh, of the hotel. Tell us about it. So we're now in the Great Hall. It was built in 1485, and uh, it was done by a man called Thomas Goodman, who was a tenant farmer. He noticed the way the light hits the land, and that's what made him attracted to it. So we're going through a sort of uh, yeah. a grand Tudor portico. Yeah. Um, With a beautiful panelling. This is, uh, this is, again, 1485. And you can see the initials of Thomas. And then we've got portraits of Catherine Parr and uh, the third Duke of Dorset, I think, on the wall there. Catherine Parr is buried up the road in Winchcombe. That's why she's here. And this is Richard Sackville. He's here for ironic reasons. During races, we run vehicles right through the fields down to the race course. We've got a very strong affinity with uh, Cheltenham Racecourse. So a lot of our guests are racegoers, and they spend a lot of money on racing. So this man lost lots of money gambling. So he's here to remind our guests just to be a little bit careful. <laughs> 500 years later. Yes, yes, exactly. When do the races take place? Lots of people think we only have one, one races, and that's in, in March. That's the one people... That's the famous one. Yeah, that's the famous one. But that's what people think that's all there is. But in fact, uh, we have about seven races. Obviously in the wintertime because it's steeplechase, so the ground needs to be soft. During the Civil War, there was lots of skirmishes around here, lots of fighting. And this door... Is, we're talking about the front door of the, of the hotel. Yeah, it's, it's believed to be from that time. And these are musket holes. And they think it was... Um, Maybe Oliver Cromwell did it. So, also, if you look on here, if I can find it, you can see the word M. Yeah. That's for Mary, the Mother of God, mm-hmm. to protect people from witches. Oh. So, it's really a lot of history in this door. Let's move on and have a look around the rest of the hotel. Yes, of course. The hotel's had an amazing history over the centuries. During World War II, the stables were supposedly used by the RAF for the manufacture of specialist parts for hurricane bombers. But essentially, it remained a family home with various aristocratic owners until 1947, when it became a girls' school, a brief sporty rival to famous Cheltenham Ladies' College down the road. When the school closed in 1973, it first became a hotel. The current owners bought it in 2008, and they set about restoring the building and its 90 acres of grounds to its former glory. This included knocking down a lot of 1970s additions and building an outdoor swimming pool that's heated to a comfortable 29 degrees. And, of course, a dog spa. Actually, for anyone picturing doggy massages and four-legged hot stone treatments, the poor spa comes as a bit of a disappointment. It's a place for washing down your muddy dog, really. But, as a notice informs owners, check out our boot room where a basket of grooming goodies is located, from shampoo and towels to treats. We have everything your pooch needs for a little pampering. Well, now we're going down to Cheltenham itself. Now, back in 1788, King George III and Queen Charlotte took the waters here and set the seal on the town's future as a tourist destination. But we're heading for Pitville, the 19th century new town, if you like, the urban extension built by businessman Joseph Pitt, who saw its potential as a centre of wellness. The main feature of this is the Pitville Pump Room, a magnificent spa building with a gigantic domed ceiling and an aspect fringed with ionic columns that stretches through scenic gardens and a giant lake right into the town centre. In the 1800s, the menagerie here was world famous. One visitor recorded seeing a stupendous elephant swimming in the lake. We met up with Jordan and Rachel from the Cheltenham Trust, which runs the place. So Joseph Pitt commissioned the building of Pump Room to bring, the obviously the idea was to bring visitors to Cheltenham to taste the spa waters. Building work started in 1825 and the work was completed in 1830. So we're talking about the same period as Bath was at its height, uh, the main Regency period. 
Yeah, so uh, a lot of, as we all know, spa water was booming. <laughs> it was the thing to go and try. So uh, that was the market that they were trying to, to get into. And is the water good? Yeah, the water in Bath, I have to say, is pretty unpalatable. It's about the same. <laughs> I think we've all started to realise that um, it might not have been the, the nicest water to drink, whatever the properties may have been or are. Can you still taste the water here? Unfortunately, not the minute. The pump is currently undergoing maintenance due to the COVID-19 pandemic. There was obviously no one monitoring or looking after the building. So unfortunately, we're just still under like, the process of getting it back on operational. More of an event venue now than anything else? Yeah, so now it's more an events venue. So um, it can seat to about 400 people with an orchestra or around 600 people standing and all manner of events from, like I say, orchestras, choirs, spoken word. So yeah, all manner of things here at the moment. Weddings as well. We're a wedding and corporate venue, so any kind of corporate functions, dinners, all the way to weddings and even wakes. So here we have the pump. Yes, so these and, uh, are the two um, levers that would have been used, the same levers to pump. Um, and then from down at the bottom underneath goes straight down all the way through the floor into the cellar and then into the ground. Is the water warm that comes out or cold? Uh, it's cold. Well, it's, it's ground temperature, so normally cold, but unless we have another crazy heat wave. Flowers, what are they made out of? Plaster. Plaster flowers, gold and white, all the way around the dome ceiling, inside the dome ceiling. At the moment, it's gone back to how it was in the history and especially since covid the building has become a major part of the community so as well as private events when it's not a private event we open with a heritage trail so people can come in and there's different stations where they can read the history Mm -hmm. but also multiple times a year we do free community events because we're the Cheltenham trust who help run the building It's like we're a charity, it's part of what we do. So like we did the Queen's Jubilee celebrations, we did the Christmas light switch on a few weeks ago. We do lots of children's free activities during the holidays. So it's just a hub where people really gather and that's what we want to make it more and more, especially like during 2023. Is it popular for that sort of thing? Yes, so during the Queen's Jubilee, I think we counted around 10,000 people in the park in here. Wow. Because we'll use the entire park as well. Jordan and Rachel, thanks for the tour. Now, we can't do full justice to Cheltenham in a single winter's day, but we're going to stroll through the gardens past that lake, no elephant present today, I'm afraid, into town to a very special but outwardly unassuming house, number four, Pitville Terrace. Not everyone knows that Gustav Holtz, the world-renowned composer, his most famous work, of course, was The Planets, was born here on the 21st of September, 1874. But while he was unquestionably its most famous inhabitant, the Holtz Victorian house is a living museum to the people who made it their home after it was built in 1832. From the Williams sisters in the 1840s to the von Holtz in the 1870s to a Colonel Manners in the 1890s who retired here to Cheltenham from a career on the Indian subcontinent. The house has been restored to how it would have been in Holtz's day, a treasure trove of Victoriana tucked away in this four-story terraced house that brings the whole era to life. Lucy Moriarty, the learning and conservation manager and volunteer Paul Treble told us all about it. We've just been looking round and upstairs is all Gustav Holst Museum and downstairs seems to be the more of a Victorian museum. Yes, yeah, so what we've done is we've tried to keep the house to the time period when Holst would have lived here. Apart from the two ground floor rooms where you've got his piano, we've got some of his manuscripts on display. 
we've kept the upper stories and the lower floor of the house to what it would have been like when he lived here. It's fascinating all the little cooking things downstairs. There are cookery courses there for children as well. Yes, so we we can light the fire in the range and bake drop scones and biscuits. And at Christmas, we make mince meat following Mrs. Beaton's recipes. The Hasbekinder Museum in 1974, which was a hundred years after Holst lived here. Yes, the name. Holst is Latvian. One of his grandparents came over from Riga. He decided that he would like to serve in the First World War. And unfortunately, his health wasn't good enough for that to happen. But he was able to play music to the forces out in Salonika. And during his career, he was a teacher, wasn't he? A music teacher? Yes. He ended up teaching music at St Paul's Girls School in London. And the house, we've just looked round it and it's... Absolutely lovely. I mean, the details of Victorian life. Are any of the things actually his or from his family? Only the piano, we know, was used by him. Everything else is how the curator, Laura, imagined it might have been when he lived here. I've got the sheet music of his as well. Yes, we do also have lots of his original manuscript. My favourite room is the nursery. It's absolutely lovely. Yes, that's my favourite room as well. In the nursery, we've got an open fire, because that's what they would have had there. We've got a lovely selection of vintage toys that visitors can try out. They come in, got some sample outfits that Victorian children might have worn. And what is amusing to a lot of people is that a Victorian boy would have worn a skirt or a dress until they were five, so... And now we're sitting in the, in the kitchen, in the basement, and there's still actually a working stove in here, isn't there? Yes, we're very lucky to have a working range in here. So we usually have the fire lit. Unfortunately, we don't today. But we like to light the fire on a cold day, and quite often we bake drop scones on it or maybe some biscuits. And I hear that children can come in and have cookery lessons. Yes, we do. Um, we have schools visits for children where they can come in and make mincemeat or, again, drop scones. Sometimes we open up at the weekends and we have our resident Victorian cook in here demonstrating some of Mrs. Beaton's recipes. And you've got every household implement from a carpet beater to a mangle to all sorts of weird and wonderful knife cleaners. That's your interest, knife cleaners. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed, yes, knife cleaners. I got interested in knife cleaners about, uh, during lockdown, actually, because we were asked to... Um, Pretty specialist subject. Uh, and absolutely, yes, but we were asked to uh, nominate objects of interest in the museum to put in the, on the website and, I think, in the magazine. And I chose to write a paragraph about the, the knife cleaner. So I did a research on it, and then I found a couple of knife cleaners on, for sale on eBay, I think it was, and so I bought them. And one is uh, bottom of the range wizard knife cleaner for six and a half p. Six and a half d, I think. Is it? Six and a half pence. Sorry, six and a half old p. Yeah, that's right, old pence d. And the other is a middle of the range one, which looks a bit like a mangle, but when you look at the gearing on it, it clearly isn't a mangle because the the, ro- the uh, rollers would rotate the other way if it was a mangle and pull the pull the stuff through it rather than just rubbing together against each other. So, yes, uh, I've got a thing about knife cleaners. It's certainly every possible gadget you can imagine in here. 
And the food is quite realistic, and it looks quite horrible, some of it. Up, um, there's um, a pie that's open, and I don't know what that would have been, what, what sort of pie that would have been, but it almost looks like it has liquid in it, and it might be hot. It's not one I personally like to eat, but I expect a lot of Victorian food wasn't something you'd like to eat. Forgive me, Mrs. Beaton, but... <laughs> I did some children's activities down here um, a week or two back. And um, um, a couple of weeks later, I came in to do the front of the house. And um, I I, um, got some children, and I I wanted to demonstrate the weighing scales to them. And I was looking for something to weigh, and there were some eggs up on the side there (laughs) that that I thought were, were pretend eggs. Until, until I uh, put one on the scale and it broke. <laughs> and it was a real egg. In the sink, there's washing up, which looks pretty disgusting, with dirty water. And in fact, the dirty water is solid. It's, and there's, uh, a, there's a bucket where they've slopped out the floor, too, which is full of... So it's all pretend. It's all pretend, all yes. Pretend. yes. Yeah. Afraid so, yes. It's, uh, very realistic. It looks very realistic. It's very good. You've got just about everything here. We went to a museum in, in Singapore of a... Shantytown in Singapore, where they had smells of the period too, uh, and they were quite disgusting, you can imagine. Yes, uh, we've been talking actually here about you know improvements that we might make. A number of people have been to look at museums elsewhere in the country, like Bath, and, and I think they went to Bletchley Park, uh, you know, to look at, look for ideas. So we're considering some of these things that create an environment, if you like. Yes, but it's quite difficult to do. Uh, in a way that is not intrusive, I feel. I think that's particularly with smells, that could be very difficult. Yes. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you could have a Victorian bathroom or, or the outdoor loo. That you could have. Well, you have the outdoor loo, you don't have to get but too close. But where's the bathroom in the Victorian house? They didn't have them. It's, it's in front of the show, isn't it? A tin bath. It would have been a tin bath. You mm. see, it wouldn't have been a bathroom. Mm. You know, there is no bathroom here. Mm. Yeah, the only do is an outside one, and uh, very cold on a day like today when it's minus seven degrees. And I often say to people, what to look, the thing to thing to think about when you're here is not what you can actually, what what actually is is in here, but also what is not in here. Mm. You know, there's plenty of things that are not in here that you'd have every day, today. I suppose if you wanted to make it even more realistic, you could have the genuine lighting. But that would be rather dark, wouldn't well, it? it might be a bit well, dangerous too. Did yeah. you, did well, you know that we have plans to change next year to restored gas lighting? Oh, so really? we've bought some original fittings and then they are fitted with LEDs to make it look like gas lighting. That's a good idea. If you need a reason to come to Charlton, this is as good as any, I tell you. It's a wonderful place to come. If you'd like to know more about the hotel, go to ellenboroughpark.com. You can find details of what's on at the pump room at pitvillepumproom.org.uk and Pitville has two T's and two L's. And for more about the Holst Victorian House, it's holstvictorianhouse.org.uk. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com. Or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week.
Stay safe. And I am you. You are me. It's just a crazy storm.